0: I'm Alexis. I'm Mallory. And this is NewtCast. All right, all right. So it's been a while since we've had an episode up, but we're happy to be back.
1: We call it an intentional holiday break, but really it was just us not being able to do it.
0: Yeah, just a combination of things, really. I guess it's kind of mostly just wanting a break.
1: <laughs> in case any of you didn't know, Alexis is the busiest person on the planet.
0: <laughs> I'm going to try to fix that this semester, though, so hopefully it'll be different. So to start off, just a quick note, if you do like our show, please do leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. Um, it helps us to be able to show up in searches and things, so... Yeah, do that if you so desire. We really appreciate everything. It makes us feel very good about ourselves.
1: Yes, indeed. Today's topic, we will be discussing the characters of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, the film, obviously.
0: But to start off, let's do some Potter Watch. Um, so I added this last minute about Cursed Child because I just now watched a video. They have this cute little video of like the highlights of 2016, you know, looking back into the last year and I just have noticed, and maybe it's because I was there, but I've noticed every like time I, I read about an interview from Cursed Child actors, they always mentioned the very first show, which is one that I was at actually as so of the very first preview. And again, Sam Clement mentioned it in this video as one of his highlights of 2016 Um, and he was like it was like a rock concert (laughs) he's like I would (laughs) never experience anything like that again in theater like it was a rock concert and I was like yeah it was like
1: (laughs) I'm sure that's you know when the fans read their most enthusiastic like if you're going to try and get a showing where people are going to be the most excited about this play it would be the preview
0: oh absolutely especially since no one knew what it would be about like, we had no plot information at all. And so it was all new information. The gasps were just, like, I feel like they would just, like, echo throughout the entire room. <laughs> like, they were so big. And a, f- a few characters, like, the moment Albus Dumbledore, like, walks on stage, everyone started applauding. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the actors were just like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> not anticipating that at all. But anyway, it was really fun. And just, that was that made me happy. I was like, yeah, that was good. That show does have good things to it. I like uh, it.
1: <laughs> I feel like Cursed Child has just kind of become your news section. Like, hey, Cursed Child <laughs> news. Obviously, Alexis is going to take this one. Ready, to go.
0: <laughs> I do have a fondness for it. I like
1: it. I well, miss it. Too, most of the news that comes out about it is about the actual stage play and the actors and stuff. And since you're the one who actually saw it, it makes more sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Pottermore, though.
1: And Pottermore News, they released a writing on Ariana Dumbledore with no actual new information. It was just kind of a here's what we know summary and rephrasing of everything. So given the timing of when that came out, that pretty much confirms that she was an obscurial. If you ask me, like, why else would they release that?
0: Yeah, I'm like 100% sure that she's an obscurial.
1: I've had a couple people kind of be like, I have this theory. And I'm like, that's not a theory anymore, is it? Like, that's, that's pretty much confirmed, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so for Fantastic Beasts, apparently there's new information on the new edition of the textbook. I haven't seen these covers.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Scholastic released a little blurb about it, and they tweeted it. So they put up the new covers that are going to be coming out for the UK and US edition. The U.K. one is kind of more artsy and whimsical. It's got this illustration of a dragon on it and kind of like a more quirky font in the title and everything. And then the U.S. one kind of has this more diagram illustration of like a dragon tail and some kind of insect looking over the top. So I actually prefer the U.S. one over the U.K. one because even though it's not as fancy, it looks more like a school textbook. And it's still really stylized and cool looking. So I like it. Also, in that tweet, they, or in that news blurb, they told us that there will be a forward by Newt in the new edition, as well as entries on six new beasts. So I went through all the new creatures we know about, trying to figure out which ones it would be. And in the movie, the new creatures that we see that are not included in the edition that's already out are the Swooping Evil, Thunderbird, those weird giant dung beetles that we saw in the background which i don't know if those are magical or not or if he just like enlarged some dung beetles i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and then that glowing tentacly baby thing newt was bottle feeding oh yeah um which we knew nothing about but i did some digging and apparently the visual effects house who created it called it a marmite and they described it as a tentacled cross between a dust mite and a squid with a transparent body. So that's all we know about it. And then some other creatures we know about from the Pottermore story that were not included in the movie were the hide behind, puckwudgie, Hodag, snalligaster, Wampus, Horned Serpent, and Jackalope. So I would assume that, that, that four of the entries would be the Ilvermorny house mascots because that only makes sense, right?
0: Yeah, that would make sense.
1: So if I mean, if I were to pick the ones that I wanted to know more about, it would be the Thunderbird, the swooping evil, the marmite, since we know like nothing about it, the Snalligaster, wampus, and horned serpent. But I'm thinking it's gonna be the four mascots, swooping evil, and I don't know about the last one. Maybe hide behind, maybe Snalligaster. I I don't know.
0: I feel like you just want to know more about the marmite because it's a squid
1: caught. <laughs> <laughs> it's a glowing tentacled creature. Of course, I want to know about it. <laughs>
0: I like that you did enough digging to find its name, though. That's fun.
1: Yeah, I was <laughs> kind of surprised that it even had a name, but pleased because I was really curious about it. Oh. I also am hoping that they're going to amend some of the creatures that are already in there with information that was thrown into the movies, like the Alchemies, or however you uh-huh. pronounce that will grow and shrink to fit the space that they're in or that demiguises have that crazy probability foresight. Because that's not in the book and it's really cool.
0: Oh really? I didn't know it wasn't in the book.
1: Well, you know, it may be in your edition. I don't (laughs) know.
0: (laughs) I never actually read the whole thing through, so who knows? (laughs) So on Twitter, it was funny because David Heyman a few weeks ago was was tweeting about like, hey I don't think that Newt's going to be the main character anymore. Like we're going to move on from his story. And that made me all sad and anxious, but JK Rowling did debunk that rumor and was like, no, he is the main character, which I appreciate a lot (laughs) because we did not spend two or whatever hours with this character just to ditch him by the wayside. Like, I feel like we're in it for the long haul. Um, I'm really curious to see how he ends up becoming part of this bigger story and and how he's able to keep up with the Grindelwald and Dumbledore fight. So that yeah. would be interesting.
1: I'm hoping that it doesn't become more contrived than it already is.
0: Yeah. Who
1: knows? I
0: read somewhere, maybe it was you, I don't remember. I heard somewhere the the thought that it could just be the Obscurus becomes the new, like quote-unquote, fantastic beast.
1: I know that so, I have said that, so maybe it was me, yeah, I don't know. That was you. That so was, was definitely you yeah, then.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think that could be interesting. I think that more than Newt pursuing Grindelwald, it could be the other way around, right? Of Grindelwald being like, he knows something I don't about these creatures and I want to know more. So mm-hmm. I can see it more of the the enemy pursuing our hero, which will be interesting. We'll see how that, that works out.
1: Um, also, according to David Heyman, he's been chatting a lot recently. Um, the deleted scene toward the end of the film in which we see Credence boarding a boat headed elsewhere, which would have been relevant to the sequel. Since we know that the next film is going to be in Paris, I would assume it would be France, but that would have also lessened the, you know, sort of confusion about whether he was alive or not. So I don't know if that was why they took it out or if they just felt it was unnecessary or what.
0: Yeah, I think they probably just want to like make it more of a surprise, but Mm -hmm. it's weird because in the screenplay you can tell that he's alive (laughs) because it definitely (laughs) turns it
1: out not as much of a mystery if you're actually reading the text there
0: where do you think he would go like his whole youth has been in new york city i presume
1: i would think so but i mean it's not like he has many attachments outside of the people who are now dead or gone so i don't know
0: like maybe he just took the next boat out and just went wherever he could go to escape you know what has happened. Also, does he become a human? He wasn't that just like a little scrap of something that floated through the air.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand anything.
0: I don't either. These are all questions I'm sure will be answered. They better be. In two years. Yeah, we can do it. Another tweet from David Heyman uh was that it was polyjuice potion that grindelwald uses to turn into graves, which I don't trust that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, okay, whatever, David Heyman.
0: Didn't J.K. Rowling tweet about it too, or no?
1: I, um, I don't want to say for sure that she did, but that has a ring of familiarity for me. That just brings up other issues, which I well, we can get more into that in our next episode when we talk about the plot, because uh, yeah, I true. I want to go through. We can go into that later. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, We have some new information from the Case of Beasts book that you can find on Amazon or Barnes and Noble that I thought was mostly just going to be film tidbits and behind the scenes stuff. But according to Hypable, there's some actual like information about Newt. So apparently um, Newt faced proposed expulsion due to the illegal possession of a magical beast causing endangerment of human life and violation of animal welfare. So Newt may have been technically expelled from Hogwarts, but the expulsion was never enforced because then Professor Albus Dumbledore defended Newt, resulting in his name being cleared. So that solves the mystery of whether he was expelled or not. The file is dated with the year 1913, which means this whole thing happened when he was in his either fifth or sixth year at Hogwarts. And the book also says that Leto was the real reason that Newt was forced to leave Hogwarts. but That is confusing because I thought he wasn't actually forced to leave Hogwarts, so what's going on here?
0: Yeah, the Uh, wording is so
1: unclear. Yeah. I hope that they actually clear this up in the films instead of it all just being extra tidbits because I want to know for sure what is going on here.
0: I agree. I feel like to some extent it's cool to have these extra tidbits but to another i don't want it to become something we rely on like a crutch you know i want it to something that could deepen the story if you wanted it to but you shouldn't have Mm -hmm. to look elsewhere outside of the films to be able to understand that this is what happened so i'm really hoping that it does get covered in the next film because otherwise it's it feels sort of lazy storytelling yeah it's interesting to me that it's like endangerment of human life like sure i can see him you know i I can see that happening on accident with him but violation of animal welfare in addition to that is something that's very surprising to me that he would take the fall for lita for you know hurting an animal or harming an animal in any way so that's
1: yeah, interesting. i really wonder i'm i'm hoping that we'll get the full backstory of what happened there
0: yeah i'm pretty sure we will i feel like we will because she mentioned that we would be going back to hogwarts as well right And that could be the whole Hagrid thing that happens that everyone's expecting to happen in the films. But that could also be flashbacks to his time at Hogwarts. I feel like they could also provide flashbacks because these characters do not have any backstory at all, but we'll get into that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, in our last bit of news here, just kind of miscellaneous, J.K. Rowling relaunched her website. It is completely reorganized and redesigned. And there's this little hidden link that is going to be a rumors debunked section. So whenever David Heyman tweets something wrong, she can stick it there, (laughs) (laughs) This will be nice, and hopefully it'll be kind of a more formal way for her to give us new information about stuff instead of the tweets, which tend to be a little more informal and lead to a lot of questions. So I personally am hoping that she leans on her website a little more than Twitter in the future.
0: Same. There's not that character restriction either. So she's free to wax poetic about whatever she wants to
1: talk about. Yes, indeed.
0: All right, let's get into the main stuff in the suitcase. uh, We're going to talk about each of the characters of Fantastic Beasts, at least the main ones, as much as we know about them, just discuss them and their relationships and what could be in the future for each of them.
1: So obviously the first we have is Newt himself. I don't know how to start off other than that I loved him. And one of my favorite things about him was the fact that he was so awkward. Yes.
0: And he wasn't like awkwardly awkward. He was like believably awkward. And I don't know how to explain that any better than that, but I just really appreciated it. And I think that's something that Eddie Redmayne definitely has unlocked. He knows how to do that sort of thing, that endearing awkward, I guess.
1: Yeah. I I mean, if I'm getting you correctly, I feel like I know what you mean because there's a sort of awkward you see on screen where you feel uncomfortable and you're not sure if it's bad acting or if it's intentional and then there's the kind of awkward that newt was where like i remember the first time watching just being like is he ever gonna look another human being in the eye because he would just so much eye contact avoidance just really skittish around people clearly his attention wandered all the time it was a hey, he Eddie did such a great job
0: Yeah, agreed. 100%. And I love how much, um, in interviews anyway, I I gathered that he did a lot of research with animal trainers, with people who work with animals for a living. And so it was very believable. He did a very good job acting out these scenes with, I'm sure, these CGI, like maybe like half props and things. I think he did a very good job selling us on his love for these creatures and, you know, how much desire he has to give them a better life and I don't know it just it was very real and relatable to me
1: yeah you really kind of see him come alive when he's around the animals in a way that he wasn't before with people and it shows that you know he's not always just spacey and weird it's just that he prefers animals over people yeah exactly
0: there's that article that I'm sure a lot of people have read who, who are listening right now that talks about um how Newt Scamander represents a protagonist, a male protagonist with traditionally female character traits, which is a really big, refreshing thing to see on the big screen. And it's not something that he's made fun of for, I don't think at all. It's just something that is the fact of life. This is who he is. And also it's a strength for him, right? It's not like these traits are a weakness or hold him back in any way. Um, The nurturing, the sensitivity, the honestly, a lot of the Hufflepuff traits in general are what make him so... Endearing, and also what helped him along his quest to to protect these animals and yeah to get out of the the situation that he gets himself into
1: another thing that I liked about him um is that with his interactions with people, you can tell that once he's decided that he likes someone, he gets very attached to them, and he seems actually pretty perceptive of people's emotions if he's actually paying attention to that person. So there's this sort of weird dichotomy here where half the time he's hardly aware that other people exist. And he's so careless about what other people are doing or thinking or how the things that he does will affect other people. But then he's also shown multiple times to notice things about people that others don't notice.
0: Yeah. It's sort of like the title of our last one where it was like, humans are fantastic beasts too. <laughs> yeah. I think as soon as he recognizes, this is so weird, but as soon as he recognizes a person as like just as important as his beasts, <laughs> <laughs> then he starts to, to to really read them. Right. And I think really care about them. And as soon as Newt cares about a person, I think that that really shows in the way he interacts with them.
1: Um, another bit about Newt that we'll get into more in the plot episode we talk about, but he really is so irresponsible. <laughs> it was stressing me out hardcore when he would just like the bank manager, just stun him and then leave him there without taking care of anything, without putting his memory just, okay, peace out, I had magic. <laughs> and just like, the jewelry store just leaves everything, just does whatever, and I don't know if it was supposed to be as much a part of his character or if it was supposed to be like, look at the difference in American society because they're so closed off from nomadges. But that wouldn't fly in London either. No,
0: not really. And, I mean, maybe that's got him in trouble before. I don't know.
1: That's interesting. Um, We'll see if that continues in future films or if there will be some development there where he starts paying more attention to that or not. I don't know.
0: He was so talented, though, as, as a wizard, that surprised me. Yeah. I think we talked about that last
1: episode, though. A little bit, yeah.
0: But I, I definitely did not expect that, and I don't know if I was pleasantly surprised or not. But it is what it is. I think
1: I think it was sort of confusing to us, in particular, because we were like, wait, wasn't he kicked out of Hogwarts? How is he so good at magic and like he mm. can do all these things that other people can't do? But now that we know that he wasn't actually kicked out of Hogwarts, I mean, we kind of know that. We're not sure if we know that. <laughs>
0: that's true i didn't even consider that that does help
1: i wonder too if it has to do with the fact that he's well-traveled so maybe he's cleaned a lot of hills and things like that from other places that you wouldn't get from a hogwarts education
0: yeah true although i think this is his first like like, yeah i guess he is well-traveled because he already has uh, several kinds of creatures from several parts of the world but i feel like i still see him as like this beginning traveler i don't know why Maybe because it's the first movie, so I'm like assuming this is the beginning. But yeah, you're probably right. He's had a lot of experiences outside.
1: Speaking of his creatures, one last thing I wanted to throw out about him is, I loved when he when they were taking him away in Makuza and they've got his case, and he's like, "They're not dangerous. None of those creatures are dangerous." On the one hand, it was so like sweet and endearing, but on the other hand, on the other hand Newt buddy you've got a freaking noondoo in there those things have like disease breath that wipe out entire villages just by breathing the same air as them it's a pretty dangerous creature (laughs) maybe like you know i could see the defense of well it's not dangerous in his hands because he knows what he's doing but in other people's hands or let loose in the city yeah (laughs) i enjoyed that a lot
0: and the one more thing about him is the fact that they mentioned a brother, Scamander, who yeah. apparently was a war hero, right? Yeah. And apparently was known worldwide because I think it was, wasn't an American that recognized the name? I think so. And I wonder if that's maybe why Graves slash Grindelwald took interest in Newt or will take interest in Newt because he's another stepping stone towards this character. I don't know. But I really want to know more about this brother dichotomy because he never talks about his brother. So I don't think it's like a super solid relationship. It's not like a Fred and George thing going on. So yeah, yeah he I'm curious.
1: Super thrilled when whatever that guy was brought it up.
0: Right. Yeah. So that'll be good information. Again, backstory we do not yet have, which is killing me. All right. Anything else on Newt? Um, other than the fact that I love him forever and I'm really grateful he's my helpful puff representative. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> Okay, shall we move on
1: to Percival Graves slash Grindelwald? Oh boy, let's do it. So I feel like one big thing that some people might not know about, because it's relatively recent, um, JK Rowling on Twitter, a fan asked her um, what did Graves slash Grindelwald mean when he said, my vision showed only the child's immense power. Is he a seer or was he lying? And she replied, he is a seer. And he was lying. So we know that Grindelwald is a seer, which changes everything. <laughs> yeah. She also confirmed that he knows Aquamancy, but it's not really a revelation. And I kind of just assumed he would be because you've, we've got a powerful agility character and this big bad villain who's very good at magic. So one would assume that he would have learned Aquamancy at some point, especially if he's going to be doing covert operations where he's pretending to be Makuza workers like can't have people reading his mind yeah exactly that makes a lot of sense
0: yeah this whole seer thing is super interesting to me because that's gonna be a very hard thing to work into the plot so we can work talk more about that i guess in the plot section but let's see for a character uh, what kind of do you remember what dumbledore thought about seers
1: I don't, I barely remember what we even know about seers, because the problem is our best and most thorough example of a seer in the series is Professor Chalani who only has rare actual prophecies that she doesn't remember, and then the rest of the time she's phony baloney.
0: But she is, like, Dumbledore does recognize her as a very
1: powerful seer. Yeah, so it um, makes me wonder, different kinds of seers, you know, she doesn't seem to remember having her prophecy he
0: hasn't, so, but clearly yeah. Grindelwald does. Knowing that Grindelwald was a seer, though, I wonder how much that affects Dumbledore's perception of seers, and how much he... does. Did he know that Grindelwald was a seer growing up? Like, may- maybe that was part of, like, why he was friends with Grindelwald. Like, Grindelwald maybe sold him on the d- idea, because he's like, I can see that in the future, that this is what would happen, right? Because point point. Grindelwald, I can see him using this for you know, his personal gain in relationships and things. It's something if he's going to be lying about the things that he's seeing in the future, you know, how much is he lying about? How much is based in truth? And how much does he know he's lying about? I don't even
1: know. It's really complicated. Yeah. And as far as this actual film, I mean, does this mean that he did actually see credence, which wouldn't make sense because if so, then he wouldn't have been so awful to him the second that he thought he had modesty he then thought was the obscurial right you know it's sad it doesn't make sense
0: i wonder if he's just a really weak seer and he tries to just fill in the blanks based on the facts that he has about like obscurials for instance which is why he was like oh it's he the child i saw is this age you know maybe he didn't see a child that age but he saw something moving in new york that he knew was an obscurial and then attributed everything else to it after the fact
1: that would make sense. Oh. Um, there's also a line he says at the end of the movie, which I wanted to talk about anyway, but makes even you know, it's even more of a big deal now that we know that he's a seer. In the script, it says, "Do we die just a little?" And then in the film, they changed it to, "Will we die just a little?"
0: Ooh.
1: That. Mm-hmm. And like at first, read that makes it sound like Newt is going to die eventually, but. We know he doesn't because he retires in the countryside with his pet, was it Measles? I don't remember. He was still alive when Harry was around, so we know that Newt doesn't die. So what does this mean?
0: I think that's the biggest mystery of the movie.
1: It does and make me that- feel a little better about the line, though, because I thought the line was super weird and sort of off-putting. But now that we know that he's a seer, it is more of a like mystery thing than just a, like, what are you guys doing thing.
0: Right, yeah, it it felt very out of place that first time you hear it, but yeah, if it's a prophecy that he's like referencing, then yeah, well, that's gonna be another thing that we'll have to figure out in two years. I feel like.
1: Mm-hmm. As far as when he is sort of portraying graves and just kind of doing his searching for the obscures and everything, I freaking loved Colin Farrell so much. He just had this super intense, intelligent focus about him, and he was so enigmatic, and, like, with the dark brooding look, and, oh, man. So, I mean, okay, I'm just going to go on my spiel about the casting. Like, okay, first, there's the issue of Johnny Depp being a, an abuser, and that's not the sort of person that we want tied to this franchise, and especially given all the work that people like the H.P. Alliance and members of the cast, and... J.K. Rowling himself have done to protect women, for them to cast him is just gross. But I think we all know that, like, you know, whether someone is a nice person or not doesn't really affect their ability to act. So even all that aside, I just don't think he's right for this role. (laughs) Maybe, like, 20 years ago, he would have been able to do it, but now he's just gotten so weird and he's so intrinsically johnny depp the second time i saw the film i went with a bunch of people and throughout theater when he was revealed not one person was like oh, it's grindelwald everyone was like oh, it's johnny depp and it completely takes away from the feeling of the movie because everyone sees him as johnny depp and not as the character that he's supposed to be uh from what we yeah. know yeah, from what we know about Grindelwald, he's powerful manipulative charismatic uh, perceptive and he's this shrewd ideologist that believes deeply in this cause about, you know, saving the world by wielding dominance over muggles. And this quirkiness and, like, quote-unquote madness that Johnny Depp inevitably brings to every role he's had since Pirates of the Caribbean just does not fit with that. And it certainly yeah. doesn't fit with the version of him that we saw portrayed by Colin Farrell, who was so cool and enigmatic, and then the second Johnny Depp shows up, he's just weird.
0: I think that's my biggest qualm with it. I feel like, I agree with you, I don't like this casting choice at all. But I do feel like Grindelwald as a character does get weirder and weirder the more he lets himself, you know, spiral into darkness, as it were. But the fact that he was able to be Graves, this cool, calm, collected sort of a character, I said, th- maybe, like... I almost feel like Grindelwald becomes more and more like the Joker in the Batman series. And <laughs> I just can't see the Joker acting like graves to the point of, you know, like 24-7 and really selling it. Like, I can see him selling it for like, you know, half hour, an hour. But he's just crazy, right? He just wants to do something. He wants to make chaos happen. Or, But, okay, that's the Joker, though. That's not, okay. <laughs> Going back into um, Grindelwald, I feel like he is, though, he is a little bit manic, At least that's the perception I got the very, you know, five seconds that we saw him. But I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, from the books and the Harry Potter films, too, you know, we know that he is a little off and quirky and just kind of this, you know, he is weird, but it's, I don't know, I feel like it's the wrong kind of weird. And you know what would be really cool, really nice (laughs) is if for each of the next four films they just pick another actor just as good as Colin Farrell and have have Grindelwald be disguised as his character for the whole movie with the reveal as Johnny Depp at the end. Like, thought-wise, it would be terrible. But at least we wouldn't have to deal with Johnny Depp the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would be like, oh, where's Grindelwald, (laughs) though?
0: Oh, my gosh. I can see J.K. Rowling doing that, too, because I don't think she's very happy with this casting choice. (laughs) <laughs> and I can just see her being like, you know, what if you're if you're not going to change the casting, I will, and like writing it in, like.
1: <laughs> for no,
0: that's not Grindelwald. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. Anyway. He drank the
0: magic potion that made him Johnny Depp, <laughs> <laughs> and he lost the potion.
1: laugh, I feel like you know. Hopefully, we've exhausted the bad guy disguised as someone else for the entire film thing. It's been done three times over now, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Especially with Chris Child, like, yeah. I'm oh. done. Let's, let's move on. Oh,
1: there was one other thing I wanted to say about him. Where was it? Oh, here it is. Okay. There's a line that Queenie actually says about Lita where she says, she was a taker, you need a giver, which actually reminded me of Renewald because there is this interesting parallel with the phrasing there um, it reminded me of this interview that JK Rowling did with Emerson Sparks and Melissa and Nellie like way back in the day and she's talking about Greenewald and she said I think that he was a user and a narcissist and I think someone like that would use it would use this infatuation she was talking about Uh, using Dumbledore's romantic interest in him to his advantage because he wanted Dumbledore to join his cause I I hope that they continue on with that theme of people who you know use their friendships or romantic relationships to get what they want from people who are trusting them maybe not so wisely
0: yeah I didn't even consider that for some reason I always thought like oh they both like each other but especially after what we saw him do with Credence.
1: Yeah. You can tell that he's got this kind of appeal to him, and he knows how to use that to his advantage, which is so different from Voldemort, who doesn't really give a crap what anyone thinks about him as long as they obey him and submit to him.
0: I think Voldemort had that uh, ability, though, in his school days, for sure.
1: He did, but I don't think he really... I don't don't think he was as aware of it, as, he, as Grindelwald was. Like he was okay. charming and whatever, but he, I don't know, that wasn't his method that he used to get what he wanted. It definitely worked to his advantage, but it wasn't his, hey, like I'm going to charm my way into, you know, he he fell more back on the threats and the power manipulations and things like that.
0: Yeah, I can see that now. Yeah, I see what you mean. Anyway, I think that
1: is everything I have for Grindelwald now. Sorry. He's probably one of my favorite things to talk about with all this. so.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be the driver for the future plots of all of the movies. So even though he had like, you know, two minutes basically of fame, yeah. <laughs> of recognition. I, I do see you wrote a note down that said that he seems to have a soft spot for Tina, which was really interesting to me.
1: Yeah. And I wonder yeah. if it was Grindelwald's just, Liking her and thinking she was enjoyable, or if Graves, before he took his place, you know, if she was sort of one of his favorite employees or whatever, and he was just trying to stay in character.
0: Part of me feels like he would use her because I feel like Tina feels sort of like an outsider, right? She gets. Tired. She's, you know, just not very appreciated. So I feel like he uses that against her of like, hey, I appreciate you to this extent, right? Like I'm trying to help you. Just so they maybe down the line she might be useful. Mm
1: -hmm. And we also know that she's pretty nosy. So maybe he was like, Well, if she's gonna be snooping around, I want her to like me so that she doesn't have as much reason to suspect me if anything. So on that note, should we talk about Tina? Let's. (laughs) As I said before, she's she knows it. she doesn't mind her own business and she gets involved in things, which I enjoyed about her. I like that, you know, she notices something and instead of just minding her own business or staying where she's supposed to, she pulls Harry Potter and is like, well, I'm just going to take care of this myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. And she's an R, so she can actually have like the ability to do so.
1: Um, on Twitter, said that her Ilvermorny house was Thunderbird. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Although I could have also seen her, I guess as a horn serpent, but Thunder Thunderbird makes sense. And a lot of people, I feel like I was reading a couple film reviews, and I've I've seen a trend of people thinking of her character as being the most flat out of the four uh, main characters, the quartet. Yeah, and I to an extent, I, yeah, I I also agree. Um, and I think JK Rowling actually responded on Twitter to somebody talking about her like this, but. Apparently, she has a lot more backstory that we haven't heard about, right? Like the little that we do know about her and Queenie is sad, but we don't really understand it because we only understand the world to a certain extent in in the United States. So, I think that the um, the down not the downfall of this film because I don't think there's a downfall of it, but like maybe the the part that that doesn't make this film one hundred percent like a plus for me is the lack of of foundation of these characters. I feel like I see their actions and I get to know them through actions, which, which is great. But I also don't get a sense of who they are um, or, or how their past has, has made them who they are, I guess. And so because I don't have that foundation of where they started from, it's hard for me to like note where they're going. It's hard for me to see progress when it's just, you know, what you see in an hour and a half or two hours.
1: Yeah. It was weird for me because usually with characters like this that kind of tend to be more flat and are not people's usual immediate favorite in a film. I tend to like them more over time. But with this movie, like the second that I saw her name, when she pulled out her um, Makuza ID badge thing and saw that her name was Porpentina, I got all excited. I'm like, oh man, that's the girl that Newt's gonna marry. So I yeah. wanted to like her immediately. And that kind of fueled me through the first film so that I liked her a lot in the first one but then when I watched it again I was like you know what they really kind of cheated her because she not only does she feel flatter than the other characters but she's kind of less likable she spends a pretty healthy portion of the movie impeding Newt when he is looking for his creatures and just generally looking worried all the time and then her turnaround isn't charismatic enough for the audience to be like oh yes they're working together now it's just kind of happens and her involvement at the end doesn't feel that necessary or important until she gets to the point where she starts talking credence down and even that ended up not mattering so i don't know i feel like she kind of got shortened
0: yeah i agree i feel like she was there as a function of the plot more than she was there as an important link for new or important relationship for him like, I, yeah. I loved the ending, but I think that was very touching of, like, Newt leaving and not knowing how to say goodbye. I thought it was very cute, but one scene isn't going to save a character for me. Like, I, I really wish we saw more of her maybe without Newt, <laughs> you know, without yeah. this, this scenario. Who is she outside of, like, trying to not get fired again? <laughs> I don't, you know, like, I don't know.
1: I, I, mean, I mean, hard we, to do. Yeah. Like, a little, little shot of these traits she has. We definitely know that she's... Stubborn and that she's determined and she's got a kind heart. You know, we see the little vision where she's comforting Credence, Mary Lou beating him. We just we just don't get enough for us right. to really feel nice to her.
0: And I think it's really hard to do, I guess, with four main characters, but I mean, you see sitcoms with 30 minute episodes where you, you get more connected to those characters in 30 minutes with like six characters in So I feel like I can only give her so much. Before I'm just like, come on, JK. Like, I know you can do characters better than this. Um, But I do feel like she probably has a really good idea of who Tina is. We just haven't seen that yet. And I'm hoping that we will see more of that in the subsequent films.
1: Yes. Should we move on to Jacob? Sure. We talked a pretty decent amount about him last episode since Liz, um, he was her favorite character. Um, Mm A few other things to talk about, though. JK Rowling said that if he were... Wizard, he would have been in Wampus House. So, there's—I don't mean I don't know if that informs his character at all, but there is. Yes. Um, I really liked the quote where it was just like, "People like you, don't they?" He's like, "Yeah," <laughs> because he's—he's very likable. He's happy. He's genial. He's really earnest, and he is kind of a people pleaser. Not in the sense that he lets people walk all over him—that kind of thing but in the sense that he just wants other people to be happy. I mean, that was what—that was the reason he cited for wanting to have a bakery is because it makes people happy. That's just such a likable trait.
0: Yeah, he's so precious.
1: Uh, he also was so, I mean, he had his initial freak out about magic existing, but once he kind of got over that, he just kind of went with the flow. Everything that happened, he was, like, amazed, but at the same time, like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's just throw that into the pile of crazy here. <laughs> Probably my favorite thing about in the film was that he got stuff done that the magical people didn't think to do. Specific example that I was thinking of was when he, when Queenie's trying to open Graves' door and she's trying all these spells and he just kicks it down.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like the giggle water scene too. That, that stood out to me.
1: <laughs> that was cute.
0: Yeah, I like him a lot. I wish I had been able to see this movie again since I saw it. It's been a month and a half or so. Oh, it's been too long. I do wonder how he's going to come into play in the other films. Him and Queenie both. And I love Queenie, so I really hope she comes back. But it's hard to imagine how they can get roped into the adventures. Especially since we're having such a hard time imagining how Newt is going to be roped into these adventures. So
1: Yeah, yeah. I kind of just assumed that I don't know, he would drag his little crew along with him. But, like you said, how? Especially if the next movie is going to be in Paris. Like how in the heck are they all going to end up in Paris?
0: Right. (laughs) Part of me feels like it could be that the movie goes to Paris, but also parts of it remain in New York. Um, Especially since we had so many introductions to characters that will probably remain in New York, especially the Shaw's uh, Mm -hmm. that whole family of, of news news reporters. They're not going to be moving to Paris. They live, that's their living. Right. So, Part of me feels like that's how we're going to get maybe – I'm really hoping for Ilvermorny, but maybe we're going to get more into Ilvermorny as well as just like anything that's happening in New York. Maybe Queenie and Jacob will stay there while Tina goes uh, with Newt in Europe. I don't know, though. That's just my
1: guess. That's good a guess any. Yeah, I, I don't know. know how far theorizing on that could even get us. Like a, I, I know. It's the sort of thing where we just kind of have to wait and see what happens. Okay, Queenie, though,
0: I love Queenie so much. Oh, oh so, so much.
1: Over Morning house apparently was Puckwudgie, so she is another one of your housemates. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Should we talk about her as a Legilimens here? I mean, that's kind of the most immediate takeaway. Yeah. On Twitter, JK Rowling answered a couple questions about her as a Legilimens, and specifically the difference between her and Snape. She said that Snape had to train a slight natural ability that he had, whereas Queenie was born with this huge natural talent but that she's not infallible. So I guess that means that like with a lot of other forms of magic, there are different levels of natural ability. And it also makes me wonder if she has trained hers at all or if she's just let it all come naturally in her life and just sort of mm-hmm. lets it flow however it does.
0: I wonder if she even knows how to control it or if it's just something she just doesn't know really what it is that just that it happens.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Because I think it's just so interesting how at work the people at work that her coworkers do not know that she has that ability. So she obviously keeps it a
1: secret. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, when people find out that you can read minds, their immediate reaction is probably going to be to not trust you and not want to be around you. Which I think is why she takes such an immediate shine to Jacob, because he was like, oh, no, no, like, I think it's great. I just want to (laughs) talk. I want to tell you something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I do feel a lot for her, though. I just I wonder how much it does affect her passions, like the way she she goes after things. I'm sure she probably like if I was in that scenario anyway, I would be like, I don't want to become an R just because i have this ability like i want to prove that i can other than i don't know like it's it's a weird it's a weird thing that she has to deal with
1: yeah i feel like it'd be really isolating yeah for sure
0: and yet she is a nurturer like you wrote down like she is someone who cares for people and wants to you know cook for people and make sure they're happy they have tea or cocoa whatever it was and
1: um something that i noticed about her and i enjoyed um as far as her similarities and differences with her sister Tina they're both like very stubborn very like willful and you know they're determined to do whatever they have to do to get things done but they approach their problems differently where Tina kind of faces things head on and just sort of steamrolls her way through whatever situation she's in. Queenie is pretty manipulative and she's one of those sort of people who on the surface she seems super earnest and open and like she just kind of says whatever she's thinking but she's that kind of open that's only surface level and you can tell by the end of the movie that she's very deliberate about what she shares with other people so i mean she'll talk about whatever and it seems like she's just filling her own mind but she's really kind of keeping the stuff that matters more secret yeah so i enjoy yeah i enjoy seeing you know when she's at macusa and she manipulates her boss or whatever she, get her to leave I'm like hey you want to see my ladies things in the suitcase oh, that's great
0: i love that too yeah much. or even i don't know if this is her boss or her coworker, but when she was just like oh does so-and-so know that you've been seeing so-and-so yeah. you know she uses that against someone which is interesting to me because that is definitely manipulating you know based on emotional polls that people have which is kind of dark but because it's Queenie, we're sort of just like, you go, girl. Like, I don't know. It's just like an interesting.
1: I feel like it was also, you know, different times her sister was in trouble and she had to just oh, for kinda sure. do what she had to do. For sure. For sure.
0: But I wonder if she feels guilty about those instances, right, where she does use that or how often she uses it. I don't know.
1: It's hard to tell because when she's in Newt's case with him and like prying into his past, she doesn't seem to feel guilty about it. She just kind of goes for no, it she's no. like, Oh yeah, sorry, like, I can tell you're hurting, so it's easier to read you, but she doesn't seem to feel guilty about the fact that she just keeps going.
0: Yeah, she doesn't really stop, even though he's like, please stop, please stop, and she just doesn't. It's just interesting to me.
1: But yeah, regardless, she was probably my favorite character in this film, and I hope we see much, much more of her. Oh, I do love her a lot. All right, Credence. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so much... Yeah, I mean, what is? Well, there's not much more to say about him as a person other than you just feel so bad for him. I know, so, like this life of so much oppression that he doesn't even seem aware of his magical abilities. Which that's another question: Is he aware? That he I have has no idea. No, I mean, at the end, he definitely is because he's like, "Hey, I don't want to control it," but that begs the question was he controlling it before or was it completely happening without his knowledge
0: i don't know if he was controlling it so much as just like maybe slowly realizing that it was him causing all the destruction um especially as it happened to his enemies right anytime someone was like rude to his sister he would you know flash out that night i'm sure like he was able to piece it together i'm not sure how much he was aware that he was doing it though
1: who knows I kind of want to just give a shout out to Ezra Miller, who did such an amazing job with him. The I agree. He, the way his interactions with Graves, in particular, like, whenever he touched him and he'd just kind of chase his hand and his face. Oh, oh dagger! Yeah.
0: God. I felt like that must have been an emotionally exhausting role to play.
1: Oh, I imagine so.
0: I really wish the character had died, but because it's Ezra Miller, I am happy that he's there. I
1: <laughs> feel you know, like it would have had a lot more you know, emotional significance if he had. But if they've got some grand plan for him in the future films that we don't know about, then fine. But if they just had him live the heck of it, then boo, boo. No, he'll
0: be back for sure. I think David Hayman talked about that. Mary uh, Lou Bearbone.
1: <laughs> Man, she was so scary.
0: Yeah, I didn't oh. like her at all. Oh, but I just. Why did she adopt the kids that she adopted? Because it sounded like she knew they she adopted from wizard families.
1: I know. That was so confusing to me. And it led to my confusion with modesty because he finds the one under her bed. And I thought that it was a real one because she talked about his mother specifically, that she was an unnatural woman. So it makes it sound like she knew that his mother was a witch, in which case, what happened to his mother? I mean, did she... Kill him or or kill her? I mean, yeah. Or I don't know, get her lynched or something. I don't know. So many questions, and we're probably not gonna find out about them because she's dead. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we're ever gonna run into modesty or chastity again. But yeah, when he found her toy wand under the bed, I was really confused because I genuinely thought that both she and Credence were magical. But now I'm I don't know. I feel like
0: either. Okay, I can't remember which one, modesty or chastity. Which one's the younger one? Chastity,
1: modesty, modesty. Because yep.
0: chastity died, didn't she?
1: Yeah, she did. Okay.
0: Yeah, because now modesty is now an orphan again. Um, and I'm wondering if she is a squib or if she does have magical powers that just haven't manifested themselves yet. I feel like this could be a character that comes into play later on. Like, three three films from now, she, like, suddenly appears and is the answer to something. That would be I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to keep a, a tab on her. I'm not done with her yet.
1: <laughs> and also, if that wand, I mean, if she's not magical and that wand is just a toy wand, why would you have a toy wand of all things? Like, can't you just get a spinning top like a normal kid? <laughs>
0: yeah, why seriously.
1: You when your mother would, like, beat you within an inch of your life for having it. What is the point of this? I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, plot-wise, I understand because they talk to the whole bait-and-switch thing. Actual character-wise, it makes no sense.
0: Unless her parents were wizards
1: and witches. Yeah. Anyway, but back to Mary Lou. I also really want to know how she got so into this whole witch hunt thing. I mean, does she have any scour background or influence in her family or something, or is she just awful?
0: Again, backstory... I want it. I feel like J.K. Rowling has an explanation for why people turn out evil. Maybe we don't get it for every character. Like, we don't know why the Lestrange is. It's just, like, hereditary. But main characters, like, I feel like she's a main character. She was, like, the main antagonist.
1: Yeah, I mean, when she crafts a character, she generally, we know, builds up a lot of backstory, at least in her own notes and in her head, that may not actually get revealed in text or film format but she has it so yeah i really don't know what it is same
0: should we go into minor characters
1: yeah i, I mean we pretty much already said we wanted everything there's to say about seraphina pickery we felt like she was really built up and that she's going to have this big role and be really cool and then she ended up being kind of flat and was basically just there to be a rule enforcer and get in the way I'm hoping that she'll come back and be a little cooler next time. Same. I also was kind of disappointed that we never really saw her do any magic. I mean, she's supposed to be pretty amazing and someone that, like, at Ilvermorny, all four houses want her. And supposed to be yeah. this witch, and she spends all her time just saying like, horrors, go do this."
0: Yeah, it's the one character we know the wand type of besides Newt, <laughs> or at least the where she got her wand from. You'd expect oh, yeah, yeah. us to see the the magic come from the wand, but, oh, well. I feel, like she'll, I feel like she'll be back, though, because we've heard so much about her. I can't help but think she will be. Lita Lestrange will definitely be someone we, we run into again. You already talked a little bit about the taker-giver line.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's not much to say about her other than it's just a tantalizing little teaser, and we'll find out a lot more about her in the future. Modesty talked about how we were confused about whether she was magical or not. Um, she was super creepy. I mean, that little nursery rhyme thing she was like doing. Oh, opposite. I know. Oh, my gosh. Um, we saw the Shaw family, Henry Sr., the newspaper tycoon, and then Shaw Jr., who was the senator, and then Langdon, who was the embarrassment of the family. Uh, I feel like at the very least we'll see Langdon again. And I would really like it if he got, you know, pulled into the whole scourer thing now that he's, you know, seen the magic and we've seen a little bit from the ending with Jacob that the memory removal, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be complete or permanent. So maybe he'll remember things, things will see through the cracks. I would love it if he got recruited by the scourers because we'd see more of him and also we'd get more on the scourers, which I'm really interested
0: in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sorry, I don't have much more to do with him.
1: <laughs> you got anything to say?
0: But. Yeah, no. I just think, uh, yeah, he'll. I want him to play a part because he was set up and we didn't really get much out of him or his family. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: I feel like if I, he I come back, then his point in this film was pretty moot. Like, it was basically just to insult Credence and make him go crazy and kill people
0: yeah for sure
1: uh the last character i have in here is Narlak, the goblin um not really a character thing so much but what was up with his fingers
0: i couldn't look at them i like closed my eyes it bothered me so much
1: no have we ever seen any other goblin or creature that had hands like that
0: not I that i remember
1: had like kind of long fingernails and everything but man that was gross.
0: yeah i don't like it
1: also, he kind of gave me the impression that he knew something about Grimald or Graves. At the very least, that he knew that Graves was shady. Because when Newt was asking questions about him, he was like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, you know too much or you ask too many questions or something like that.
0: I wonder if he was the supplier of Polyjuice Potion. <laughs> that would be cool. I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see. Sorry.
1: I feel like we probably won't see him again now. So I don't know if there's. Yeah, sure me neither. Into it. Yeah, I can't see Grindelwald
0: really leaving any loose ties alive. <laughs> I don't know how much he actually knows about him or knew. I well, don't. That's all I got. Awesome. Let's go into the Rememberall really quickly. What do we have back in the past?
1: All right. So in my reread of Chamber of Secrets, the first time that we see the Expelliarmus spell, which is Harry's favorite, is when Lockhart is doing his dueling club with Snape and everything. And Snape uses it on Lockhart and it knocks him off his feet and into the wall, which I totally forgot happened in the book. And that means there actually is a book based precedence for the infuriating trend in the movies of spells just knocking people over instead of doing what the spell is supposed to do so it's not (laughs) they They actually and it never does that again in the books but they keep doing that in the films and all sorts of spells just make people go flying through the air when they're supposed to actually have a purpose so i can't i can't blame it on chris columbus anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's still gonna make me mad but i had to realign my blame wow so
0: well, here you go. Into the Pensieve, we've had a couple of uh, tweets at Newcasts.
1: Um, Ryan Bowman on Twitter asked us what our wands
0: are. Well, mine is an English oak, 14 and a half inches, with phoenix feather core, and it's unbending. The description of the wood is that it's a wand for good times and bad. It's a friend as loyal as the wizard who deserves it. Um, it demands a partner of strength, courage, and fidelity, and owners have a propensity for intuition and often an affinity with magic of the natural world. It's also supposedly Merlin's wand wood. So I feel like I hit the jackpot of uh,
1: wands. I gotta say, I mean, I hadn't read this before, but there's a lot of really hufflepuffy words in there.
0: The fidelity.
1: Yeah. Fidelity, fidelity, loyal, affinity with magic of the natural world, which isn't something that's explicitly said about Hufflepuff, but kind of feels... I mean, we've got the head of household being Professor Sprout, and now we've got Newt, Mr. Natural World himself, and it just kind of feels like nature house.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I like my wand a lot. I'm pretty proud of it.
1: Uh, My wand is made of hornbeam wood, which is the same wood as J.K. Rowling's, apparently. Ooh! It's 11 inches, Phoenix feather core, and is pliant. And hornbeam... It says it adapts quickly to its owner and is nearly impossible for others to use. And it chooses those who have singular passion or obsession, which is nearly always realized. And it tends to absorb its owner's moral code and refuses to act in a way that is contrary to that moral code. That's cool. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting and it seems fitting. I don't know if it's more of the like horoscope type thing where like you just pick out the stuff <laughs> and you're like yeah this is perfect but yeah I like it
0: that's a good one I like the how it's a singular passion which is almost yeah. always realized that's cool I found that kind of funny yeah, for mine, it talks about courage and I just kind of skip over that <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> Gryffindor house is the one I least associate with so I'm just like eh, eh. <laughs> fidelity <laughs> so that's cool Uh, Dylan Rogers was also on Twitter and asked us pardon the spoilers but wasn't Grindelwald mentioned in some fashion on the main films at points
1: Um, yes he was we get a lot more about him in the Deathly Hallows book but he was mentioned a couple times in the films we saw him sort of in a flashback the young version of him and then we also see going to his prison and seeing the old and finding the information about where the Elder Wand is. So we don't really get any of the cool backstory that we get from um, Aberforth that we do in the books, but we see him a couple times. Cool, cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. so next time on Newcast, we will be getting more and more into the plot of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. We will see you guys in two weeks then. Until then. See you next time. Bye.